spoiler alert. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. You know, I'm obviously super excited to like move forward, but I'm glad that you know it. It's uh, it's been such an interesting experience. There are sure. things that I like, really like. I really like the team. I really, you know, love the feel of closing a deal. But I hate just kind of working at home, which yeah. is something I wasn't really saying before. It was just like, you know, being at home all the time. Like I really, you know, would rather be around multiple people. Um, so yeah, that'll change. I'm not surprised that you have mixed feelings about it because I think I said to you when you started this job that. Uh, it would take some getting used to and then you would learn how to thrive in it because you just kind of have that way about you where you figure out how to make it like a, a self-competitive thing and plus you have mm -hmm. a good like personality so I can see why the sales thing would actually work for you. Um, but uh, obviously exciting things ahead. And the weird thing also about doing something for pretty much like one contained year and I've had a few phases in my life where I like lived in an apartment for exactly a year or had a job for exactly a year. Um, it's amazing how uh, short that amount of time will feel in just a few years. So like when I think back to the one year yeah. to the month that I lived in Kentville, for example, like I could boil that down to like six days, that entire experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember that as such a long time because you were trying for so long to get out of the apartment you were in and into that <laughs> new apartment. Yeah. And you were so stoked about the new apartment and then, yeah. New apartment ruled and I lived there for three weeks and it's still one of the nicest yeah. places I've ever lived. <laughs> It was awesome. Yeah, it was like, it had like 12 foot high ceilings and like, yeah, it was, I remember I viewed them and it was just like, this is out of my league. How is my quality? Am I glitching at all? Because this computer has been a real bad, uh, a bad seed this week. Uh, like a little, a little bit, but like, it's not really pausing the audio. So okay. Like, Thing is, so are you, you're kind of glitching out a little bit too. So we might just be, I don't know, the computer might be at its wits end or something. Okay. We're well, yeah, you, you let us know if, if we need to pull the, the shoot and just stop videos because we can probably do that too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. How's your week going otherwise? You doing okay? Yeah, it's going well. Uh, yeah, nothing nothing really super exciting. Just just watching stuff, man. Yeah. That's what we're doing in the evenings. I'm trying to take advantage of it while I while I have all this, this uh, evening free time. Oh, true. I hadn't thought. I have considered how you being a firefighter will impact the show show schedule and that we won't be able to like hold a, a date forever and ever. Like we'll have to like always be on the move with when we record. Um, I hadn't even considered how it was going to impact your like nightly viewing schedule. Yeah, I don't. I'm sure I'll be able to sure. watch two shows a week. I'm positive. Like that's <laughs> yeah. good. That, that's how I'll, I'll unwind. But um, and even you know, for the first little bit, it should be pretty, like Thursdays should be fine. It'll be like once down the road, once it's like shift schedule, like one day on, days off, I, there's a chance that Thursdays will be booked and we'll just have to move it according. It's all good. What are you watching? Besides the shows that we have to talk about, which I, I take it you probably spent a lot of time watching those shows in the last week. I sure did. Yeah. So I watched those ones. Um, man, I've been watching Reacher. Actually, I finished watching Reacher. <laughs> oh, okay. So I didn't even know this existed. It's a total coincidence, right, that you happened to watch Cruz's Reacher very recently? Such a crazy coincidence. Yeah. And I was, like, elated to see that they were making it into a show, and it looked kind of badass. And then I watched it, and, man, this show rules. Wow. It's day and night compared to the Tom Cruise one. Like, 
it's just got everything you want from what Reacher is supposed to be. The way he acts it is Alan Richson is his name. Yeah. And he's like a 39 year old monster of a man. He looks like he's like 6'10. He's only 6'3 in real life, but just like, you know, rock style vibe. But very, very cool in the show. Well, there were a lot of complaints by like hardcore Lee Child fans when they cast Tom Cruise, who's like a great action star, but he couldn't be less like the description of the character, who's a massive dude and like kind of fair and, and blonde. And so I don't know if Lee Child was nasty about it. But he has now come out to say that, like, this particular casting is, like, way more what he had in mind. And I also gather that, like, you and I, you and I were kind of, like, joking about some of the crazy lines in Jack Reacher. I wonder a little bit if Tom Cruise is just playing those too earnest and that there's supposed to be a tongue-in-cheek quality to how over-the-top they are. It, it could be. It, it's just weird how it doesn't come across as tongue-in-cheek at all when Tom Cruise delivers it. Like, right. there's no, like... like like Robert Downey Jr. could almost do it like better than Tom Cruise could. Like yeah. there's almost like, and, and the way that this new guy does it, there's kind of a, he's a straight man, but he's also kind of hilarious in yeah. the way that he's delivering these lines. And it's like the way the line is supposed to be heard. It's not like I'm going to eat your face and like knock you into a ditch <laughs> kind of thing. It's like, it's like, you know, just very brief with answers, but I don't know. It's it's based on one of his novels, and it's really funny because at the beginning, like Lee Child, I don't know, he was like, "Okay, you can do the show," but at the beginning of it, there's not going to be an opening. It's just going to say Reacher on the screen, and then it's going to be like a cutaway cue card, almost like Law and Order style, but it's just going to say based on the novel The Killing Floor by Lee Child. <laughs> Go into the. It does that at the beginning of every episode, like ding ding. So it's very procedural, probably not unlike how they formatted the Jack Ryan show. Yeah, it's it's like you would expect this show to be it's like an R-rated version of what you would see on like a CBS show. Okay. But with with better writing. All right, I'm kind of You know what I mean? It just popped out of nowhere. I had no it was not on my radar, and it wouldn't necessarily have been, but like out of nowhere people seem to be kind of psyched about the new Reacher show. Man, and I was so pumped because I, I saw The Watch and uh, they uploaded a podcast and it was like, Jason Mandukas is on, always a good podcast yeah. guest. And his whole the whole reason for him going on the show was to say that he loved watching Jack Reacher. And this was after I'd watched it all. And I was like, oh my God, yes, this is like a popular opinion. I didn't even know this. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, I've heard him on The yeah. Watch before. He's He tends to be really good. He He's really good. had a very charming cameo vocally in Pam and Tommy, which we can talk about uh, coming up. I finished yeah, season good. one of Dave. There are two seasons of that show, right? There are two seasons. Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, unpack. Just season one was on on the plus, so I haven't gone any further than that. You were exactly right about how it's not just like a goofy show. And it's not even just about his anxieties either. I think since we did the last podcast, I saw the episode where you get a little background on uh, Gaeta being bipolar and like there's this yeah, really well, what an episode. really wild episode where he has um kind of a, a bad experience in a footlocker and i love that actor like in that I, that episode was so yeah. emotional and i just thought it was like a beautiful piece and then um i don't know it was it, i think i think you said it best that they really toe the line between 
comedy and I don't want to say drama because that's too hard of a word, but just like earnestness and sincerity. Yeah. Really nicely. Yeah. Considering it's about like a white rapper who calls himself Lil Dicky. It, it manages to be like really sweet. Totally. Yeah. And the whole episode with, um, you know, the him like making the song on the little keyboard. That's in the first season, right? With the girlfriend. Yeah, that's the, that's the beginning of the season finale and then they break yeah. up and they play the song again and it's like it's kind of a great song somehow yeah yeah it's, re- <laughs> it's really good and that's kind of like the the snapshot of what you need to know about the show i think is that like you know yeah it does it does have a lot of heart although it's a show called dave about a rapper called little dicky yeah. so it's easy to see why someone like donald glover would be like hey never forget that you compared atlanta to dave but also like Dave's good. Don't hate on Dave. Yeah. What's your problem? I think, well, and also like, it seems to have a lot of credibility. It seems like he has friends in high places. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, and, and is bad bunny in any of the, no, is, is, is it bad bunny? No. Um, it's, uh, shoot. It's the other guy. Um, the producer I love guy. That guy. Yeah. He's, he's so funny. He's nuts. I was really surprised when Bieber made a cameo and was genuinely hilarious. Yeah, and Courtney uh, Kardashian. Yeah, one of the Kardashians was there too. Yeah. But Bieber yeah. was just like, all right, Bieber's out. Just kidding. I don't talk like that. <laughs> I just laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a great, uh, great series. And, and the second season, I thought, very, very good too. I think you'll like it. Good. I'll look for that. And I finished um, The Woman in the House in the Window. Uh, Because I had two left last time we talked about it. I I guess we probably shouldn't spoil it, but it has a good finish. One of your your concerns was the level of gore. And was I right in being like, yeah, no, it actually might bug you? Well, it was brief. I was pretty tense for that one moment, but it was brief. And it's mostly because of like knives. And like it, it it does enter like slasher film territory. Um, and there's like some, some knives and neck stuff. And so, yeah, I was like a little nervous, but it was, uh, it was a pretty good finish only because like it was as ridiculous as all the rest of it was. Um, and I really love how they set it up for a season two. Like the Glenn Close cameo was hysterical to me. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to, I I guess they will probably do uh, a season two. I forgot about the Glenn Close cameo. Yeah. If it was a hit. But yeah, they could just do like, yeah. they could do an anthology and call the next one like the woman in the seat next to the girl who sat in 2B or something. And yeah, or maybe the joke's been done. I don't know. Did you hear the uh, the podcast with with Chris, Kristen Bell on? It, it was funny because she was kind of like, you know, talking about the show, but also talking about how like, you know, the dialogue is bad. Yeah. Like we're trying to like, we had to go, like we, we wanted to, but like also we had to lean into bad dialogue. That, yeah, that was the intent. Resist the urge to go to the the director or the writer and say like maybe there's a way we can be less on the nose with this line because like that is absolutely the point. I found the whole yeah. discussion she had about the angle of the show and what they wanted to do was really interesting. I thought the rest of that podcast was insufferable. It was so it was way too familiar and like yeah. talking about their 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 home life is just it I had gross at points. I, yeah. I had to, I had to like pause it because I was eating both times I was listening to it. I was like, I, I don't want to hear this. And they, they also have a really bad habit of just saying the names of people that you don't know. 
they'll just they'll just right. like be talking about like Charlie. They'll be like, oh yeah, like like Justin does that, and you're like, who the hell are Charlie and Justin? It's like it right. feels well, very exclusionary. Charlie's a, Charlie's a bit of a regular on the show, to be fair. Well, I just was pulling a name out of thin air, so I I maybe it's a bad example. <laughs> but they did say Charlie. At one point, oh, you know so. what else was kind of cringy is they were buttering her bread as an impressionist so much, and she's not a good impressionist at all. It was like she was in the ballpark, but she really yeah, wasn't. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to try to stop being such a hater, but it seems to come up all the time on the podcast. I mean, it's it's no like Ellen. Oh, I justified in being a hater for Ellen, though. Totally. Although it's been quiet for a while. Here she is just kind of like coasting through her final season. And I guess she'll be in the news a little bit. They'll want to do some kind of like special final five episodes or something. Oprah right. will be there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, man, there is this girl, uh, named, uh, what's her name? Alex, Alex Gilfoy. She is, she was on comedy bang bang this week and she is friggin' hilarious. Like she is like my pick for, I don't know. I just need to send you some of her videos. Okay, great. She's like, she's like what Lauren Lapkus was to me when Lauren Lapkus first came out and she was just this hilarious person out of nowhere. I love Lauren um, Lapkus. That's what this, yeah, that's what, that's what this person is and, and her impressions and her just like random bits that she comes up with. And I spent like an hour or two just going through her Instagram videos the other day. Anyways, we can come back to it because I don't even remember her exact name, but she kind of looks like Christabel. You say Gilfoyle? Is that the name you said? Yeah, it's uh hang on, I'll I'll find it real quick. Just uh I uh, I watched the movie Never Been Kissed, which I had never seen before. And I kinda had an idea that it was going oh, to be that's a bad movie. It sure is. Wow. <laughs> like really I, I kinda movie. thought that I was going to get some kind of like romantic comedy in the school of She's All That and I knew it wouldn't be as good as Clueless, but I kinda thought it would be in the She's All That range. And I wasn't yeah. I wasn't wrong, but it's so much worse than that. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. And it's also wrong on a couple levels that you're like, Oh, like the teacher, the teacher student wants thing? to hook up with the student. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's only forgiven by the fact that she's actually 30. But it's not clear that she's 30. They very deliberately do not say how old she really is. And so, I mean, it's understood right. that she like is an adult because she has like a real person's job but the character is also all over the place like that she's yeah. this really type a kind of stringent uh working girl and that she's like a boy crazy ditz when she goes back to school and she like gets toilet paper stuck to her shoe and stuff it's just so full of cliches and you're right it's a it's a i was gonna say it's an ethical gray area but no it's like absolutely morally wrong for this teacher to flirt so hardcore with Josie Geller is her name. Anyway, terrible movie. On the other, uh, it's a. T it's actually surprisingly. I, like I watched it a couple years ago, and and couldn't believe that such a bad. Like because I remembered seeing it like as a kid, and I was like, yeah. oh, maybe there's something here. And no, it's just like every line of dialogue is bad. Like there's no. I can remember seeing it in the video store. And like, you know, I've like very openly always loved a romantic comedy and even sometimes the bad ones. I like like a 50 sure. first dates or I like a 13 going on 30 or something like that. And I, I always kind of wondered about it. And it has, it hasn't exactly gone away. Like you still hear about right. the movie Never Been Kissed now and then or you see it, I guess, just on in, in its thumbnail form. 
Um, but I think it kind of has a cult status. I think people must like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a conversation with uh, Brent this week because I, I said the word, because I was talking about Reacher and he was talking about the movie and I said, the movie's bad. And I said, I liked it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> because I liked the fact that like Werner Herzog plays a character who had to, uh, in a Polish prison camp, like eat his own fingers and like take out his own eye to, for some reason to survive. And I said to Brent, he, Brent said, you can't like something for the wrong reason. If you like it, you like it. And I was like, no, right. I absolutely, I was like, you, you absolutely can. Like, for instance, if you like karate kid, I use the kind of, uh, Barney example of like, if you like karate kid, because you like seeing a kid get beat up. Right. And you're liking that movie for the wrong reason. You're not following it. Because, so if yeah. I like a movie, I, I'm not even saying I like it. I won't watch it again. I found it funny. I, I, if you're viewing a, a movie as a comedy that shouldn't necessarily be a comedy, then I think you're liking it for the wrong reason. I think that's probably true. Like I watched the first Fifty Shades of Grey movie and I, I think I enjoyed it for the wrong reasons. Like we laughed a lot during that movie and that movie right. seems to take itself quite seriously. There are things probably Reacher, though I haven't seen it, that know that you know that it's not like the most brilliant action drama ever made. They they understand like where the context comes from. And so sometimes they yeah. can play with that. Um, I think probably what Brent means, I kind of I kind of agree with his attitude. I think the idea is just like there should be no such thing as guilty pleasures. Like just enjoy, mm. if you enjoyed it, that's what matters. Yeah. You had a good yeah, time. That- Totally. That I agree with. I wouldn't say that it was a guilty pleasure for me. I, I maintain that I did, did the things that I liked about it. I kind of jokingly liked, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. On the um, completely but, opposite end of the spectrum, I rewatched Spotlight. Um, I couldn't tell you why. I think I was just like in the mood for a newspaper movie or something. <laughs> the weirdest rewatch ever. It's such a weird like rewatch. A that you watch and say immediately after, <laughs> well, I'm probably never going to watch I that. never need to see that movie again. You know what, though? Yeah. It's so good. And like, again, cold take, but man, Spotlight's, no, I like it. Spotlight's amazing. It's like a perfect movie. I like it that you you went back to it. Like, I know you do that with movies like Social Network, yeah. uh, which is a rewatchable. Spotlight, I can't see being a rewatchable, but I love that you committed to it. I mean, the Social Network, like the stakes are so low, really, in what's happening I mean, you removed like the dangers of Facebook in our real world. It's really just about like a like nerds fighting with each other in a in a courtroom, yeah. and so like and the dialogue is so juicy. But it's a safe watch, and that's what makes it rewatchable. I wouldn't yeah. say the spotlight is is rewatchable, although the script is really strong and the acting is really strong, and the truth of it is quite striking. And like the the postscript when they say exactly how many priests within the Boston Archdiocese are guilty of this. It's yeah. it's like really um, sobering. And then they put up this massive list of all the other places where these cases have happened. And they first just start with the states and then they go international. And you know what's there in the list? Anaganish, Nova Scotia. And I know about that, but to see it in this best picture winner spotlight is quite disillusioning. Pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was an Oscar winner. Yeah. Speaking about other Oscar 
noms, mm-hmm. yes. the Oscar list came out. Did I segue that okay? Yeah, that works fine. I've got a few other things I want to talk about that I've watched, but one of them is The Power of the Dog. Oh, and so that's sorry. that's kind of a part of the Oscar conversation anyway. And really, I don't want to spoil Power of the Dog, but I did watch that no. movie. And you liked it, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. It's really good. It's a good movie. It's, yeah. it's a, That's a movie that I would watch over again. I would definitely watch it a second time if only to see if I'm like interpreting it differently because it's a thinker. Yeah, I, I did watch. Now it feels very clear to me now, but I think it's. I, I looked up the. I looked up everything about yeah. the plot and everything after the fact. So that I think is why it's like, oh well, that's that's the way it is. Um, so clearly, it wasn't super evident to me right after. I was like, well, how did that person feel about this person to begin with? I, I want to do a deeper dive there. Well, I will say I was on to Benedict Cumberbatch's secret. Very early yeah. in the movie. I had a hunch about it and I was like, I'm going to stick to this. I think that's why he behaves this way around this person. And like, and that came to fruition. I needed a little help with the final twist involving yeah. the cow and yeah. the all of that, the water or whatever it was. There's a second twist that I didn't get at all that my mom told me about that also involves the the sun the weird sun and something that happens in the past i don't know if that's making it clear enough for you but like there's a whole other level to what he does in the end of that movie which i didn't pick up on at all and i think makes the movie even better oh i think i think i read into that i like i i think i was suspicious of it. anyways we'll okay. talk about it after because i i really am i really do want to hear your take on it but we both liked it and we both would watch again which is weird because when i started that movie i was like where is this going? Yeah. And then even when it ended and I wasn't quite sure what everything meant, I still kind of like got chills. Right. Like, oh, I just know like this, this was, there was this, there's some deep thought behind this one. The only thing I'll say about it is that I really missed Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst for long periods of the movie. Like I really liked them in the movie, yeah. but then we'd get away from them for like a half an hour at a time. And so I kind of wish that it was a little more even and yeah. blended the characters better. But I mean, it's, it's Cumberbatch's show, and he does a great job. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of notable uh, Oscar milestones that either have happened or will happen, depending on how the awards actually carry out. I wanted to run through some of those. Um, speaking of the power of the dog, Jane Campion becomes the first female to ever be nominated twice for Best Director. Oh, cool. Her other what movie, was the other one? The Piano was her other movie. Um, it's amazing that in 2022, there's only one woman who's ever been nominated twice for Best Director, but Jane Campion is that person. Um, Kenneth Branagh is the first person ever to be nominated in seven categories in Oscar history. Whoa. He like, not all of them this year, but like in his life, he has had seven different category nominations. So both acting, directing, screenwriting. He was nominated for a short that he made a while back. I don't, I don't know what all of them are, but um, he is a multi-hyphenate, as they say. That's crazy. And who would who would have thought, you know, if you talked to me last year and said, hey, you know who I think is kind of underrated? Kenneth Branagh. I'd be like, yeah, prob- what are you talking about? Who is he? <laughs> well, and we talked about him recently, and I had mentioned that all of my Kenneth Branagh references were quite pedestrian. And I was like, well, I think he was in Harry Potter, and I think he was in Dunkirk. Uh, my dad got after me. We had a, I had an in-person, uh, John explains a thing where he was like, you you missed the most obvious, which is that Kenneth Branagh is the like preeminent Shakespearean actor of his generation, which is significant. And then yeah. I went back to the pedestrian and I remembered he was like the really Bond villainy guy in Tenet. 
with the big yacht. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, he's in general just very good, and I'm I'm rooting for him. I still haven't seen Belfast. Uh, this is probably the most obvious milestone. It's the one you're going to hear about the most. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, like definitely running for that EGOT now. He's nominated. Not for We Don't Talk About Bruno, which, by the way, is the biggest chart success Disney's had since A Whole New World. Um, they cool. didn't put that and song actually, up. Uh, I was going to say, it's it's referenced a lot. Like, you're seeing a lot of, like, like I've seen a lot of, like, Boba Fett yeah. uh, headlines that are like, we don't talk about Boba. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good song. I said that to you weeks ago. They didn't put it yeah. up for the Oscar for some reason, but they put up the one that he wrote entirely in Spanish. Um And I don't think the category is otherwise, I mean, it's a strong category, but I still think it's his to lose best original song. Where do I have it on my, on my little sheet here? Uh, Be Alive, which is Beyonce Knowles Carter for King Richard. There's something that feels very cynical about that to me. It's not the first time she's tried to win an Oscar. The last time it was through the Lion King. And it just, I, I don't think that song, it just feels so much like get a sensational pop star to sing over the credits of your movie and maybe they'll win a gold statue. Uh, Dos yeah. Araguitas by Lin-Manuel Down to Joy by Van Morrison who is an anti-vaxxer but will be allowed at the ceremony, fun fact um, Somehow You Do by Diane Warren for Four Good Days and this is maybe a contender No Time to Die by Billie Eilish and Phineas, but I still think it's Lin's to lose Have you heard uh, any of Van Morrison's new songs? There's there's <laughs> no. a song that's that's literally called why are you on Facebook? And he's like, Oh my Why God. Are you on Facebook? That isn't real. Are you serious? <laughs> I swear. I don't know if the song's called that, but like he definitely says it in the song. Like, Why are you on Facebook? That sounds to me like somebody on somebody on SNL does a pretty good Van Morrison and they do like an infomercial for new Van Morrison and the voiceover yeah. is Steve Higgins and it's yeah. maybe a pretty funny sketch. And then this is my favorite of the big Oscar milestones. Steven Spielberg. Uh Oh, have I lost you? Oh, maybe. I think I'll turn off my video because you're starting to be kind of. Oh, yeah. It said it said my internet connection is unstable. So let me here. I'll stop mine for a second. Oh, okay. We'll just give it a few minutes. Uh, What I was saying is I think this is my favorite Steven Spielberg. uh, My favorite milestone of the Oscars. It involves Steven Spielberg, who has become the first person to be nominated in six consecutive decades. The 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the aughts, the teens and the 20s. He has been nominated for Best Director, which is amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. There are, What's he nominated for this time? Oh, West Side Story, which uh, hits, oh, right. hits the plus on March 2nd. So you'll be able to stream that one. Perfect. Um, I guess I'll just read through like some of the exciting ones. Best Picture does have a few more movies in, in it than I would have thought of. And it, it means we've got a little bit of work to do. Uh, Belfast, Coda, which is a movie we're not hearing too much about. Um, no, we haven't seen that. Don't Look Up, which I don't think should win, but I think could win. Drive My Car, which is kind of the big international buzz this year. Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, which is exciting for PTA. Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. I think think it's a toss-up, but I think it's between Power of the Dog and West Side Story with Don't Look Up as the Dark Horse. Yeah. Uh, Director, we've got Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Jane Campion, Power of the Dog, Uh, Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Um, Jessica Chastain is the one and only nomination for the eyes of Tammy, Tammy Faye. I don't know anyone who's seen this movie or really wants to, 
but apparently she's good. Yeah. Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, she was good. Uh, Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers. Interestingly, uh, two pairs of real-life lovers both nominated for Academy Awards this year. We've got Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem both nominated. And nice. Kristen Dunst and Jesse Plemons together in real life and yeah. nominated both for yeah. the same movie, which is cool. Uh, Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos and Kristen Stewart for Spencer, who I think should get it, but I, I think that she's not considered the front runner. I think it's going to be Kidman. Oh, you think Kidman's going to win for Ricardos? Kidman or Coleman, yeah. Mm, it's pretty fashionable to go to Coleman. It would be her second Oscar. Yeah. Uh, Javier Bardem for Best Actor, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for Best Actor, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith, we'll come back to that later, and Denzel Washington, which I think is like his ninth uh, Oscar nomination. Supporting right. actress, uh, Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DuBose for The West Side Story uh, movie, which I think she's the front runner right now, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst, and Anjane Ellis for King Richard. Supporting actor, Kieran Hines for Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons, uh, J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos, which is silly. I mean, like, it. I, I like J.K. Simmons as much as the next guy. He's not... I didn't like that movie, and he's not even among the best things in it. He's not in it that much. He's very much playing J.K. Simmons in it. This is just because... I mean, he's being nominated again for Whiplash. He like He's he's yeah. in the conversation. He gets grandfathered into consideration. So I find that irritating. And then Cody Smith-McPhee, who's the, the son in Power of the Dog, he's nominated too. Oh, good. I was I was wondering if he ended up getting a nom, but I didn't look too deep. I knew we'd have this conversation. And, yeah. Uh, th so there's no real snubs this time around, is there? Uh, Lady Gaga is considered a pretty big snub. Gotcha. And, right. eh, I mean, like, I haven't seen that movie, but it's very polarizing as a performance. People say it's ridiculous, and I mean either ridiculously good or ridiculously not good. Um, yeah. And also, it's her second time acting in a movie. We don't just, like, nominate Lady Gaga every time she's in a movie. Give me a break. Yeah. And I think contextually, like, a, a big issue people have with the movie is the fact that everyone speaks with Italian accents in it, but, like, no Italian is spoken in it. <laughs> In general, weird like uh, Ridley Scott put out two movies this year, both of them like widely talked about, one of them critically acclaimed, and he got nothing. Ridley Scott got diddly squat, right. like, and not even for um, for The Last Duel, which didn't make any money, but I kind of thought that the narrative of the Matt and Ben reunion would be enough to propel yeah. them into a, a nomination for screenplay. Ben Affleck actually got nominated for a Razzie for it. Yeah, and everybody's like, okay, let's get rid of the Razzies because they're stupid and mean-spirited. And I think he's supposed to have been pretty good in that movie. Yeah, I I, I didn't hear anything like... They actually created a, a category for Bruce Willis this year because he was it, was it was like worst movie Bruce Willis was in in 2021. And there's like eight movies. He was in eight movies in 2021? Uh, apparently, and I've heard of none of them. No, I've never... I don't think people like working with Bruce Willis anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, it's notable also if we're talking about snubs that um, Free Guy is a more Oscar nominated movie than The French Dispatch because it got one nomination for like production design or something and French Dispatch got Zill wow yeah that's <clears> tough uh, best original screenplay Belfast I said that would happen Don't Look Up King Richard Licorice Pizza and The Worst Person in the World Adapted Screenplay Coda Drive My Car Dune The Lost Daughter and The Power of the Dog so nothing for Sorkin either which I mean, we know he's my guy, but he didn't deserve it this time around. Um, 
this is also a first time. Uh, animated feature, I think is going to go to, I think it's going to go to Encanto, maybe Mitchell versus the Machines or Raya and the Dragon. Uh, but uh, interestingly, there's a movie called Flea in the Best Animated Feature category. It's also nominated in Best Documentary Feature, which means it's an animated documentary that is good enough to be nominated in both of those categories. That's an original take. It sure is. Animated documentary. Um, wow. Any other, anything else you can uh, think of as snubworthy or flubworthy? Those are the juicy categories. Uh, although I think it probably is running the risk of being a very boring show. It's very strange that they have in fact announced that they're going to have a host this year, but they haven't announced who it is. It's never been this late mm. since they've, uh, that they haven't announced, but the talk around the town is that it's going to be Steve Martin, Marty Short, and Selena Gomez uh, tag teaming as a trio. All right. There you go. Th that's, that's one that'll just make everyone happy. I think that's the idea. And I, I'm sure you can imagine exactly what that would look like. And it's fine by me. Yeah. Um, just to, just to quickly circle back the lyrics, the song is called, why are you on Facebook by Van Morrison? Wow. And the lyrics are, why are you on Facebook? Why do you need secondhand friends? Who do you really care who's trend? Why do you really care who's trending? Or is there something you're defending? Get a life. Is that is it that empty and sad? Or are you after something you can't have? You kiss the girls and run away. Now you won't come out to play. Why are you on Facebook? 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 That's the chorus. Anyways, so yeah. It continues on. And the like truth that. is, I don't hate you, not even a little bit, not even at all. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I am really burned to completely agree with Van Morrison in the content of that song because he's absolutely right. It's just so cringy that like an eighty-year-old man is singing jazz songs about it. Yeah, it's it's true, and and for that matter, also like kind of an attention hog in his own right in the yeah. sense that he's a performer who's like in the limelight. He's like, did you miss your fifteen minutes of fame? Like. Man, you would have used that to try to get your 15 minutes of fame in the day. Totally. I love Van Morrison's songs. Like he's like musically a, a definitely a favorite in our family. But yeah. I don't think I'm being a hater when I say what an asshole is Van Morrison. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's it for, for Oscar news. I wanted to circle back to what we were watching because there's just one more I wanted to hit on. Uh, and it's The yeah. Graduate. I watched uh, the first half of The Graduate last night, which I've never seen before. The movie. And I am psyched to watch the second half later tonight because cool. cold take, the graduates good. Yeah, nice. I I would I would watch it for sure. So it's actually like a, a watchable movie. There's there's no like, it's a rewatchable. Yes. Yeah. I th I think so. Like it, it it's so interesting to see Dustin Hoffman play like a twenty year old kid, which I mean obviously that's the the premise of the movie, but it feels very much like one of those movies that could have been made today. Like the sensibility yes. of it and the point it's trying to make about like feeling very empty about the life that's ahead of you. Um and, and just like how like all the adults you're surrounded by do not seem to see the world the same as you. Like I think that is a timeless concept. And it's also shot in in incredibly cool ways. Like obviously the the famous shot of Dustin Hoffman between and Bancroft's legs like that that kind of cinematography is all over the film um and it's and it's funny I've only seen the first half but I would be really uh psyched to hear your thoughts on who plays uh his dad in the movie because it took me a second I was like is that who I think it is 
And it was. Should I tell you? Yeah, go for it. It's William Daniels, who we know as George Feeney, but but 26 years younger and very dashing. Like like very slim, little mustache and and spry. He's not an old man. He's like a silver fox, but he's he's not an old man. And so he has all of this like energy and enthusiasm. And it's very interesting to see Feeney, frankly, in any other role, much less one like this. He's got that sort of like Dick Van Dyke energy. Yes. Yes. It's not unlike Dick Van Dyke, in fact. And it's so weird also that he played Dustin Hoffman's dad in something because Dustin Hoffman now feels as old as Mr. Feeney. Totally. You'd have them in the same room and you'd be, although Mr. Feeney dead? No, he's not. He does a killing on Cameo. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's a good, like imagine getting a a Cameo that's like Mr. Arsenault. Yeah, I think he kind of has like a boxed line, which comes from the finale of Boy Meets World, where he tells people, uh, don't just do well, do good. And it's, oh, it, the idea is it just makes people cry every single time. There's a lot of a lot of like big tech companies out there that you almost kind of like get the eye rolled out because like, it's like values. We want to do well by doing good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, they're ripping off Fiend. They're basically ripping off Fiend. Uh, Book of Boba Fett. Did you finish? Yes. Um, so still, like, right, but like more satisfying watch than the earlier episodes. But still, there was a lot kind of in that last episode where I was like, God, it's like the more you bring Boba Fett into it, the more that episode kind of goes down the tube. And not necessarily by things he was doing, but just by proxy, like, or by. Uh, relation i guess to that storyline i mean i totally agree that they pretty shamelessly just shifted the lead focus of the show in the second half to to mando and grogu like to the extent that they wrap up what is essentially the b storyline of boba like wiping the dust off his hands and saying well what next and then cutting up to space where your real heroes fly off for their next adventure yeah and like that's the end of the book of Boba Fett, which is kind of bizarre. I disagree. And you, your audio cut out a little bit when you appeared to say not great. Uh, I thought it was a really, really good finish, if only because it gave me a lot more of what I wanted from like say the first half of the season, and still kind of mm-hmm. resolved Boba. Although Ross and I are in disagreement over what it meant when he tossed Chrysanthemum the piece of fruit. I took that to mean like. Now that he's won, he doesn't even want to be crime lord of Mosespa anymore. And to me, that feels shitty because it feels like it, it was a real waste of time to invest in that. Point. Yeah. But I, I'm with you on that. And, and I, it might have been harsh to say not great. I had a fun time watching watching it. Like all that was, was all good. It was more just kind of, first of all, yes, I, I agree. I think it was like, you know what? I'm tired of all this. Here you go, yeah. Eat my mango, my space mango. Yeah. And then, uh, so the, the thing that I really didn't like about it was the that you had the sort of uh, uh, British Tatooine gutter punks that were back and they were, um, hang on, I'll end my video here too. Uh, the gutter punks that were back and they were kind of doing their whole like automatic uh like spin shooting yeah like i just found people were doing things like like (laughs) when 
Grogu, when uh, Tails, whatever that guy's name is, and Helen were like hiding behind a picnic table in like a stone town. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you doing? I am no fan of the Power Ranger characters. I think that they don't fit at all, that they give them these like silly Crayola colored motorcycles just to like zhuzh up the color palette of the show makes no sense. I, she looks like she shops at Hot Topic. Uh, yeah. And, and also lends no story to the series. It's really just to like beef up the numbers for the good guys, in which case, I don't know, just get like random bar patrons or something. But I don't know what they stood for in the show. And if I didn't have like full faith uh, that this show had to be properly broken and scripted before they actually started shooting it. I would say for sure that halfway through the series, they realized it wasn't working and they pivoted the entire thing because it just feels like yeah. such a course correction when they bring in the whole Grogu storyline that it was almost like we were saving this for Mando season three. And, you know, in terms of continuity, it really belongs in Mando season three, but we really need to save this thing because we are trying to stretch like a two episode arc into seven and it it wasn't working. No, no, totally agree there. And and you watch the post-credit sequence I take as well. Which was a relief because, I mean, when we saw uh, Timothy Oliphant get gunned down, I wasn't convinced by that, first of all. Like we didn't yeah. see him die. That didn't seem like a, like a, a fair death for this character who we're always so excited to see. And then when, mm. when his buddy shows up in Mos Espa and he says that, uh, that Cobb Vanth was uh, gunned down in cold blood. I was like, what the hell, man? No way. Like yeah. that's he's just dead. He's just dead. And so I was, I was pleased when Boba references the back to tank. Cause yeah, we got to bring him back. Yeah. I was going to be kind of pissed if, cause you saw the pigs, the pig, whatever there. Yeah. The, the Gamorrean guards. Yep. Yeah right fall off the the cliff and i was kind of like eye rolling if chrysanthemum and the pigs came back and then there's a post-credit sequence with timothy Oliphant. i'm like right. oh so no one ever really died yeah and the the gamorians notwithstanding there was no sacrifice i kind of thought like especially since chrysanthemum got taken down a few times i kind of thought there was going to be like at least one defeat but like right. the good guys, it was a very like tidy little ending. And don't get me wrong, I was pleased to see Grogu be powerful. And even though it's kind of crazy, I was pleased to see the Rancor used the way it was. But it was kind of a tidy yeah, ending considering the that. city got completely demolished in a real Age of Ultron kind of way, by the way. Like this, they, they, yeah. sh they shouldn't consider this a victory just because they took down the big robots. Right, their infrastructure's down yeah, right now. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't just leave because yeah. the going's getting tough, Boba. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you need to rebuild stronger. Um, the uh, the one thing that I, I did like from like the ultimate final fight scene, I don't think there's any spoilers at this point, nah. um, was that he went full, uh, full kind of uh, uh, Turkish raider. Yes, you mean with, uh, uh, when he took out... Um, uh, Bane, right? Yeah, I was I was happy to see that come full circle, especially because Cad Bane was talking a lot of shit about the totally. The, the, the that was good because it, it it brought back the Tuscan storyline, which obviously they like heavily. Tuscan Raider. They yeah. they should call them Turkish Raiders. <laughs> I've come Turkish Raiders for the last thirty five <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, obviously the the like the groundwork had been planted for that, but I kind of wish there was a. If it was going to be so symbolic that he finally defeats Cad Bane, with whom he has this history, 
I think that the seed for that needed to be planted in this show a lot sooner than the end of the most recent episode. Yeah, well, two episodes back, like he could have been something throughout. Yeah, I think he should have been used a little sooner because, I mean, yeah. the, the first half was there's plenty of room to to sub him in. And then the other Star Wars news is that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is confirmed to begin streaming on May 25th. So that's pretty soon. Nice. You're, you're stoked for that one, I take it? That that one means a lot more to me. I, I'm not... Yeah. I have some issues with Boba Fett. I, I liked it about halfway. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not losing any sleep over what I didn't like because whatever, it's just Boba yeah, Fett. Yeah, yeah. But I'll be pretty disappointed sure. if, if this is handled sloppily. I don't think it will be handled sloppily. I have a, I have a lot of faith, but I also have high expectations. Who's running? Is it, is it going to be a fat thing too, or is it? It's no, it's, people? I mean, I'm sure he's like indirectly involved in some way and, and Filoni's always involved. I, I, I think it's a woman. I yeah. forget her name. Um, but, uh, we have reason to believe anyway that it's in in pretty good hands. I also think it's like pretty tight, like maybe six episodes, maybe four. Um, cool. But we know it's going to be rich. Like Hayden Christensen's back. We're going to get another battle for sure. The poster came out. Um, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I kind of wondered if there was going to be any um, any other like original Star Wars tie into Boba Fett, but there wasn't really. No, not really. I mean, they they did some fan servicey stuff where they brought in those huts a couple of weeks ago, and that didn't really pay off. Um, mm. No, and R two D two. Oh, sure, that was pretty fun. Yeah, that was kind of exciting. Yeah. At first, I kind of thought the Grogu piloted that X wing, and I was like, oh come on. <laughs> yeah, did you listen to Simon Pegg on uh, on Pete Holmes? Did we talk about that at all? We didn't talk about it, but I did listen to it. I liked how he said, like, he doesn't really like fan service. Yeah. Like, the idea that you have to put other people in. Which is funny because in the first Star Trek movie, like, they had Spock. So he's kind of, like, admitting to not really liking <laughs> Well, that yeah. Part of it. And this but, guy, yeah. like, really traffics in uh, franchises that have a lot of fan service, that they're built on fan service. Yes. Yeah. Like, if you just want to be, like, an but, artsy-fartsy guy, you're going to have to make something else. Yes. And I, I love that podcast. I love that's why I watched Reacher was because I listened to to them talk about Mission Impossible for so long, and none of the Mission Impossibles exist on Netflix or on streaming services right now, except for like like three ninety nine rentals. Right. And so that was how I was trying to get my Mission Impossible fix. And he even did director Chris McQuarrie even did Jack Reacher. So that's why I like I can't put together why that wasn't a success. They did have two movies. I think talked about that a little bit. Um, so I've only seen the first one. I'm not sure what the second one could be like. Right. I'm assuming. Who uh, Do you care about Futurama coming back for one more season? Do you, is that a show that means something to you? No, it's uh, you know what I'm. I'm kind of nostalgic. Or is is Jackass? Oh yeah. I'm, like, I'm <laughs> listening to all these like podcasts. I'm, I'm just thinking about my time in junior high. I'm like listening to Johnny Knoxville on things, and I'm like, you know what? Like I'm starting to really make my peace with the fact that. They are, you know, just like a group of friends that got together. And the reason that they're funny, he summed it up really well, was like, because I guess they introduced like a woman to this new cast. Right. And he was like, you know, which uh, you could say whatever you want about it. He's like, there was never an element of masculinity involved in Jackass. Like, I think they're, he kind of like, oh, without saying it was was saying that the reason that it's funny is because we're not masculine, which is true. Like, they're the ultimate, like, 
it's funny to watch them in this situation because they're not like tough guys. Totally. They're like, they're like kind of terrified. Like they're the ultimate like radio um, contestant, you know, like the ones that you, yeah. that get the best ratings are the ones that just have the craziest reactions and that's them. And then they're all friends on top of that. And there's this kind of like well, web work of, of, them getting along with each other to take that a step further i think there's something almost like completely asexual about about jackass like there it's it's obviously so based in anatomy and it never has anything to do with like like boners or pornography or or yeah you're right or i mean like i like i guess ejaculate sometimes for the sake of of, of shock value but like it's it's it, it's always about like childish humor it's almost like they're emulating your sense of humor from before that even clouded your brain like when you were like nine years old and falling on your ass was funny and so you're right there that's what's beautiful about about jackass what a hilarious adjective <laughs> to you because it's it's beautiful because it is about about friendship and and they've had yeah. some like some losses and it's been a, a complicated totally. thing but um i don't you know, know I, what you're I, I heard you're some, really right and and the way that that um, I had something in my head there that I I'm kind of forgetting now, but I'm sorry for cutting you off to to tell you that I forgot what I was going to say. I I heard somebody on a, on a movie podcast ask if Johnny Knoxville is Buster Keaton or like is he Charlie Chaplin? Like so many right. of our 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 comics are not physical comedians anymore, and you know it's not Will Ferrell either who puts on silly voices and silly costumes like. He is the guy who's making you laugh with his with his actions and his and his squeals and like I, I, it's it's not the same and there are a lot of like film bros who would who would really uh, scoff at such a comparison but like I don't know he's an entertainer right. through and through. Yeah, and, and, and what I was gonna say was in a time where you know making gay jokes was like the 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 butt of every like Jackass never did that right. It was it was kind of like maybe unaware or just like not yeah not not copping to that sort of aesthetic, but um, it it's been number one and even the it's been number one I should say at the box office and even the critics have had like positive things to say. They're <laughs> no. like, oh yeah, this is kind of the movie we need right now. Like, give us this. I'll never forget when I went to see Jackass 3D in theaters. Uh, it was like 2009, 2010. Uh, and my friend called me, he was sad about some stuff and he's like, I want to take my mind off it. Can we go see Jackass? And so we went to see Jackass 3D and it was like appalling. And you know, the little alleyway that is between like the popcorn stand and the theater itself. So like you walk through like a little dark corridor to get to your seats. Yep. Um, on our way out, as we're all like herding out through that little alleyway, the carpet is encrusted with so many people's vomit from people who tried to leave during the movie and couldn't make no. it. Out. Yeah, it was just puke everywhere. Uh, oh my god, that was <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I think, and I think that's, I, I kind of want to go back and watch Jackass three because I think that's the one that I missed. Like I, I remember watching the first two; they were kind of like mainstays. And now that I'm hearing all this stuff, I'm like, I want to watch Jackass forever. Like this seems fun. Jackass 3D is the one where they fasten a porta potty to a uh, like a bungee, <laughs> and then the, yeah. there's a guy in it while it's like sloshing around. Yeah. It's horrifying. Should we talk about shows? <laughs> 
Yeah, let's do that. Your uh, your audio quality is like really kind of cutting out here. So let's let's motor through these shows. Uh, I'm going to recap. I guess the first episode of Pam and Tommy. Neither one of these pilots is especially fresh in my memory, and I've I've clouded it with with a bunch of episodes of the other things. But uh, I'll put myself on the clock uh, if you just want to sure. count me down. All right, you're going to recap Pam and Tommy in three, two, one, go. Uh, Seth Rogen plays Rand, who is like one of the carpenters on this big bedroom reno that Tommy Lee uh, is is paying for. And basically, he has all of these perverted ideas about how he wants the bed to be. And he's constantly changing things. And he's a very, very difficult employer. Uh, and ultimately, he fires Rand uh, because uh, Rand like sees uh, Pam's butt or something. Um, and so to enact revenge, Rand breaks into the house to steal Tommy Lee's big safe, which he effectively does. Kind of a run at a time. He he wants to get his buddy, the other contractor, to help him do it. The other guy bails. And so Seth Rogen... Yeah, he carries out this crazy uh, caper where he lies his way into the Tommy Lee Pam Anderson compound uh, and goes into the garage and takes the safe out of the garage and puts it in the back of his car. And we know, of course, that the the tape is in the safe. The timeline of this is kind of all over the place. But in this particular yeah. instance, uh, the tape has already been made. The second episode, we go back and we see the the making of the tape. Uh, the Pam character is almost not in this pilot episode at all. It's really just between Seth Rogen and Tommy Lee. And at least in the pilot episode, Tommy Lee is a straight villain. Like really, he's the, yeah, he's no, like the worst person. On not him. two sides to it at all. He's really, really unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And then you start to see other sides of it throughout the the series. But I think sure. ultimately he do, he doesn't really have a, a clean sheen to him. No, he doesn't, in the show in general, he doesn't come off great. There are moments where he seems kind of sweet in his boyish way, or he's talking about his nephews and he's really nice. And he's like, oh, he's Tommy Lee and he's crass. Uh, I would say that, she, or or like there's times also where he's like genuinely very kind to Pam or supportive, like when her monologue gets caught on Baywatch and she's disappointed because she worked really hard and he's like really mad on her behalf. Like there are times where he's actually a, a good partner in these first couple episodes. Um, she... Yeah kind of does no wrong actually like because she is beefed up in the second and, and third episodes there's nothing i mean other than her being very stupid for agreeing to marry him after knowing him for four days in cancun she doesn't make any bad choices the character am i right about that uh no no i think yeah you're right she's like pretty on top of besides her debaucherous weekend in cancun she's you know seems like she's a business person yeah she has career ambitions and she's um at first she like tries to brush him off like she's like don't come to cancun i don't know why i'm talking about these like these people like their characters they're not they're they're cartoons Uh, and uh, the more i watch this show i don't think i've seen the most recent one but the more i watch the show the more i actually surprisingly start to side with this idea that maybe the making of this show in general isn't cool because the fact is they didn't sign off on it and it is just another version of Pam in particular being exposed without her consent. Like it's notable mm-hmm. the gratuitous amount of nudity in, in this show. They're naked all the yeah. time. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially in the, so the most recent episode, I think you should watch. I know you're going to watch it, but yeah, um, I, will. I, I think that's 
kind of like the episode where she kind of comes off the best. Okay. Like she's like clearly very aware of how all of this is is going to make her seem in the in the public eye. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, um, I'm 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 not surprised by that. Like I'm kind of on her side anyway. Like the thing yeah. the thing that Seth Rogen's character is doing is awful and like he's kind of sympathetic. The guy is a real guy and I have uh purposefully not read the the Rolling Stone article yet because I want to watch the show as its new information. I yeah. struggle to believe that he just went into Tommy Lee's house in the middle of the night and stole Tommy Lee's safe. Like that seems crazy to me. Right. right. And then went back to get his tools and Tommy Lee like pulled a shotgun on him. Like right. that is that's like the worst part of it all. He's like, Oh, you didn't do a do a good job. You're not getting your tools back. Um so so yeah, at that point you're like, Man, this character Rand can do whatever he wants to this guy at this point. Like he True. is you know, like in, in the karmic way, he he has it kind of there, and there's just like the show feels quite bloated too. There are like, it doesn't need to be eight episodes. The whole thing with the waterbed or like later, the, the whole thing with Taylor Schilling, it just seems like they have beefed it up with so much more story when what they were trying to do was tell a story about the birth of like viral pornography on the internet and our unhealthy um, uh, entitlement to the private lives of celebrities. Like, they're not really effectively telling that story. They're kind of just telling this sympathetic story about a, a criminal ex-porn star. And then also Nick Offerman's mm-hmm. there as the degenerate pornographer. Yeah. And, and also like one of the, one of the boxes they're really trying to tick is just like the nostalgia of yes. the, the like early mid nineties, yep, you know, I like there's a true. lot of shows kind of going for like, even to that nineties show. Like there's a lot of shows that are going for, for, you know, Yellow Jackets too, uh, and and Captain Marvel for that matter. That people are like, you know what? People love music from the '90s. They love You're the so general right. vibe. They love thinking about a time when you couldn't get the internet. There's a really funny scene in the most recent episode where Pan and Tommy are trying to figure out exactly like how people are getting this, and they're like, "Well, do we have the internet?" <laughs> right. Well, you're you're absolutely right, by the way, about about the 90s. And I guess that was always bound to happen. It's just starting to be surreal because we sort of remember the 90s. But like in the 90s, they made that 70s show and they made Dazed and Confused. And in the 70s and the 80s, they made Happy Days and American Graffiti and Grease. And so we're always making stuff about these novel eras that now feel like a time that we're are almost alien. They're so different from how we live. It's just the first time you and I, as young people are experiencing both ends of that. And so it's a little surreal, but you're right. It, it is yeah. very present in pop culture right now. Really wasn't expecting um, Seth Rogen to be as involved, much like the sentiment of last week with, uh, with Dave Franco being involved. I yeah. really was not anticipating Seth Rogen being like a main character, but he really is. I'd say he's he like is the, the main character. character probably. Yeah. 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 Now there's like you get you get breaks from him for sure, but yeah, by and large, he's he's a go-to. Uh, Jason Mansukis plays the voice of Tommy Lee's uh, penis. He has yeah. this thing where he's like talking to his dick in the mirror, and they do animate the pee hole, which was very upsetting to see. <laughs> it, was, it was a very graphic choice they made there, wasn't it? Yeah, that comes from. Uh, Tommy Lee has a memoir called Tommy Land, and the opening chapter is him having a conversation with his with his junk. 
And so I, I think they Isn't just- Isn't it so weird that I, I have that native knowledge? <laughs> you just know about the, the first chapter of Tommy Land? <laughs> yeah, like I knew that he wrote a book and I remember him talking about yeah. how- it might have been on like an MTV show, but I remember being like, yeah, the first chapter is going to be like me just talking my dick. You know why you know about it? And it's so funny that we're talking about this again, but I think you and I both know more about Tommy Lee than we need to. There's a scene. Tommy Lee goes to college? There's a scene in Tommy Lee goes to college where he like goes to an English <laughs> class and he's like, well, I'm a published author. He's like, I'm a, I wrote a book. And then he does a reading of the chapter where he's talking to his dick. And the idea is that yeah. it's, it's supposed That's to be appalling exactly to this intellectual teacher. Yeah amazing man that show's got legs i don't know if pam and tommy has let have has legs i like i'm watching it as a consumer of all the stuff it's condemning me for being a consumer of like it's it's watchable and and by the way uh lily james transformation is one of the best things i've ever seen like i'm constantly forgetting that it's even lily james it's actually insane yes yeah seeing her and like i to see Lily James and who's the what's the guy's name who plays Tom Wigan? Sebastian Stan. He's the Winter Soldier. Sebastian Stan. Yeah, yeah, and I know. I just like his. He's still not a household name for me. True. Yet. If yeah. you said Sebastian Stan, I'd know who you're talking about. Um, but Sebastian Stan and Lily James on Kimmel, like together, right? You're like looking at two completely different people. It's it's really uh, well. It's just and. and, and for sure, more of her. She's made a career, and I appreciate that she wants to diversify, but she's made a career being like so the opposite of, of Pam Anderson for being like like cute and sweet, like in, in Baby Driver or in Downton Abbey, or she was literally Cinderella or playing young right. Meryl Streep in, in Mamma Mia 2. Like this is a real pivot and that's good. I just think that the, sh the show is, is pretty tawdry, which I think it's aware of. Um, I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't give it my ass. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that good for us. Although I'll, I'll definitely continue watching it. Oh, that's really interesting that you don't give it your ass. I thought you'd like, I, I get it. But morally, it does feel strange. Yeah. To be like, yeah, I'd recommend <laughs> people to watch it. But I, if people ask like, oh, is it, is the show good? I'd be like, yeah, you like, you know what you're, you're probably gonna like it it's watchable like it's it's entertaining yeah. that's for sure but i don't know like who i'm supposed to feel bad for other than pam i guess but then i just feel bad for her you know yeah there's there's such a good scene in the fourth episode i don't want to spoil it okay but, but it i feel like it might rope you back into it all right a little bit okay good i'm yeah. open to it like i said i'm not i'm not writing it off i just don't i don't think i'd recommend it to anybody sure Okay, uh, do you have a clock in front of you so you can time yourself through the first episode of Murderville? And really, all we need you to do is just kind of recap the format of the show. Sure, yeah. Okay, so I'll start uh, just counting down there. Okay, uh, you can recap uh, the first or any episode of Murderville in three, two, one, go. So the premise is that Will Arnett is Terry Seattle. He is a detective um, and he is introduced to a new partner every week. The premise of the show is this partner does not have the script, which everyone else on the, the set, who is mainly improvisers, do have. Um, so they're put into certain situations, very improv situations, where they have to you know, come up with responses and, and come up with lines themselves, and the rest of the characters have to play off of that and ultimately solve the mystery. They're given a choice at the end. I'm up for time right now. They're given a choice at the end, but they have to basically use their logic to expose who they think the actual murderer was. Right. So uh, how many of these have you watched? Did you watch them all? I've, I've watched all of them, yeah. 
Uh, who's the football player? Because he's the one I didn't watch. Marshawn Lynch. And I did save that one to the end. So, he, yeah, he was a running back. But he's got a lot of personality. He actually does a great job on the show. That's like, good. He's, and He's fun. I, and to Will, Will Arnett's credit, I mean, Will Arnett, is, he deserves so much credit. He's a genius in it. Absolutely. It's Eric, kind of amazing, so remarkable smart. how funny and how committed to the character he is. He, I can only think of him breaking like one time in the whole season. Yes. And, and he does a, a great job with every character. But like to, to have Marshawn Lynch, who, who has ambitions to, like he's been in stuff. Like yeah. he was in Westworld a little bit. And, but, you know, and, and props to, to Marshawn Lynch too, because he he does a good job in it. But like being able to to guide him through it, it, it was it was phenomenal. Like I watched the Conan episode first, and then I because the Marshawn Lynch was the second one, and so I wanted to skip ahead and watch the Kumail one. And when I watched a, a second episode that wasn't the second episode, I realized, wow, they're not just like following a, a formula; they're also continuing like a continuity of the story. And so like the whole thing yeah. where like, he's kind of going, being driven crazy over the death of his partner, Lori, who's Jennifer Aniston, which is hilarious. Or the fact that he's yeah. jealous of his ex-wife, who's the chief, who's now dating this other young gun. And so like, there are like continual parts of the story. And that ultimately made me less interested in going back and watching an older episode. But from there yeah. on, I continued watching the rest of them. Um, and I thought they were all good. I actually think that the best was Conan, which I didn't expect because sometimes I don't give Conan a lot of credit, which is just like yep. another hater thing that I do. But like, I think he was the best at committing to the bit and staying in it and like just doing what yeah. he had to do. Right. Yeah. He, he didn't turn, he was ready to play ball all the time. Now, conversely, I found funny that Mail was actively like turning to like, no, I, I'm not going to do this thing right. but like he eventually kind of did do it but he wouldn't cop to like who his his first girlfriend was but i love that they kept trying <laughs> to get it like that was such a funny running bit and i don't think i laughed harder than when he was making kumail do the walk oh the walk is so funny i found that like and like jen and i i think we're crying <laughs> well and he laughs a lot uh, he and Ken Jeong both like laughed and I kind of thought they would be the two funniest and they were both really good, but like they broke constantly and I was okay Ken with them, Jong, them breaking. Ken Jeong broke, broke so much, but yeah. the, to be fair, like the Irish guy in the prison was so, no, so funny. He deserves like an MVP <laughs> and and he almost made Will O'Neill and he was like, this is like, you're taken and he's like yeah and you're taken too right. <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god they were they, yeah they were hysterical i thought a lot of the day players were like very good from episode to episode they were all like really good at at, at doing exactly what they were supposed to do and yeah. um at, at slipping in the subtle hints like i do wonder how long this show could run because it seems to me eventually you would click into their psychology about how to hide hints and you would just like you'd right. crack the puzzle every time having said that i watched you know seven of them or whatever and i don't know if i ever guessed correctly because they did a really good job of disguising that like the that one lady has a hunting license and that's how she and like all of these like little details that i thought slipped in pretty pretty neatly and that yeah. in the end the murder is about his ex-partner Lori. And that there were hints like from the whole season, like the writing was actually very good considering it was a partially improvised show. 
Yeah, I was really impressed with the fact that they now now this is all based on a, a British uh, right. template, I guess. Yeah, it's called um, Murder and Successville. Murder and Successville. So the gimmick so, with Murder um, and Successville, it's a little different. Basically, they have okay. like comedic actors come in and not play themselves, but play way more famous people. And so like the the guest might be Taylor Swift, but it's not really Taylor Swift. It's somebody blonde playing, pretending to be Taylor Swift. And the idea is your partner is Taylor Swift this week. And so it's Daniel Radcliffe, Gordon Ramsay, the most famous people you can imagine, but it's actors playing them and it's improvised. Okay, nice. I like that. That's a, that's a fun take on it too. So are they, but is it like Daniel Radcliffe actually in it playing someone else? Or no. do you mean it's like someone playing Daniel Radcliffe? Okay. The latter, it. yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Um, yeah, I know. I thought it was. I thought it was really funny. What did you think of uh, Annie's Annie Bell? Is that her name? Annie Murphy. I Annie I thought Murphy. she was better in the Annie second Bell. half. At first, I kind of thought like she's not really talking much. I kind of think she doesn't get it. And then somewhere in the in the second half, I think she clicked in when she put on a mustache or whatever. Like because it was kind yes. of a routine bit where he'd be like an earwig and he'd get the people to say stuff to the other actors and. That was one of the better scenes when she's like talking to the mob boss while she has the mustache on. I thought that she was really in that one. Um, she was so funny there, yeah. And then surprisingly, yeah, Sharon Stone was really good too. The like the operation scene was crazy. She was good, and, and like yeah, doing the German accent, yeah, and like just like <laughs> being able to play ball, uh, and and even like going back and forth with Will Ferrell, like talking about how. You know, he loved her and like, <laughs> there's probably going to be a blooming romance. And she played that super well, too. I, I thought it was all really funny. I think I, yeah. Ken Jong was weirdly kind of, kind of the weakest. Yeah, and I expected him to be really strong. I mean, I still think he was really good, but if only because he could not seem to stay in the character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited. I think we'll do another season for sure, and yeah. I will. I'm I'm here for it. Well, especially now that the like the format is visible on Netflix, I think they'll be able to get some other really really hilarious people. Uh, putting it on the spot, can you think of anybody off the top of your head who would like do a great job? Like, I think Nick Kroll would be fabulous on this show. Nick Kroll would be amazing. I mean, think of Ben Schwartz on that. Yes. Oh my God. Like he'd be he'd be fantastic. I think there's. There's even people as like bit characters, like Paul F. Tompkins. It's funny because uh, they were talking about Paul F. Tompkins on the Adam McKay episode Smartless recently. And they're yeah. all just saying how they were like friends with him and he was one of the funniest people. He's like built to come in and be one of the, he's almost like, he's probably too good um, to be like a, a bit character in that. He could do like a Rob Hubel thing where he he is a triplet or like continues to come up in, in different, uh, in different ways throughout the episode. Just completely. Right. Like, and, and that was, go ahead. That I was just going to say, that was one thing where I was, I really liked that. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, like basically tackles Rob Hubel and Will Arnett's like, okay, give this bat back. Cause like the clue is that he's left-handed. Like he has to like, have the bat in his left hand in right. order for it to make sense. Okay, so, I, like, I didn't I didn't know that Rob Hubel was in it because I didn't watch that episode, but that's, I mean, I do find him great. Oh, because that's the Marshawn Lynch episode, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. By the way, it was kind of weird when he would turn up in the, the horny teenager show as the, the Republican dad. Like, it really struck yeah. me as odd that he has, like, white hair and is playing the father of a 20-year-old. It's It struck me as, I mean, I guess, but it just, it, it seemed like weird casting. 
bit old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, bit 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 young to be that old, I think. I definitely give Murderville my S, though. I, I thought it was, so, it was such a, a unique, special kind of uh, viewing experience. It's like nothing else. Totally, yeah. Give, give Murderville the S for sure. So aside from the fact that Will Smith has uh, been nominated for an Academy Award, which we predicted, I also have... Another thing, which actually has nothing to do with King Richard at all, Will Smith has voiced his support for the release of the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. So do you remember that they like had another director? And now I guess there's a very quiet little annoying movement trying to get some other director's cut of Suicide Squad. And I actually, like I know we say like a lot of like jokey stuff about Will Smith. I actually think this fucking sucks because is it? this is just like a complete cynical exploitation of another thing that worked once because a director had to leave his movie when his child died and fans got on his side because they knew that there was something there. There is no, uh, there's no like canary in the coal mine suggesting that the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad is some like lost great piece of art. You're just trying to get your name in the friggin' headlines. And I think it's really mean. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not not joking. This is why you don't trust him. You can't trust him. And now he's nominated for another Oscar. Ugh. He might win it too. I could see that happening. We didn't uh, we didn't talk yeah, about that category. I, like, like, I mean, it's Javier, uh, uh, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith, or Denzel. I don't think it's Denzel for the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, oh, it could be Benedict Cumberbatch. It's not going to be Javier Bardem. It could be Cumberbatch, could be Garfield, and I think it definitely could be Will Smith. You think it definitely could be Will Smith? Okay, interesting. I I should watch King Richard because I yeah. have access to it. Uh, you do, do you? Where, where is it streaming? Apple. Uh, I, I I I it's on. Do you know Plex? No. Okay, it's a thing. I don't know if it's if it's through a legal download or <laughs> or not to be fair. Okay, but it's it's on there right now, like through whoever. Uh, runs the Plex account that I have access to. Well, maybe I'll see it. Maybe I won't. I definitely want to. Yeah. In spite yeah, of the I, fact, I, you know what? In spite of the that fact you that, that, that you never trust Will Smith. That's right. Yeah. And that's why you never trust Will Smith. Right. <laughs> because you never trust Will Smith. Yeah, and because of that, you just never trust Will Smith. Oh, I see. You never trust Will Smith. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Even. If you never trust Will Smith, you never trust Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, you forgot, you forgot something. You also can never trust Will Smith. <laughs> the reason you can't trust Will Smith is because you can't trust him. <laughs> All right, I'm going to cut this off here. All right, fair enough. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs>